Peace be upon you. So the expression let go and let God means to submit and trust in God wholeheartedly. Oftentimes, this is easier said than done. But the better we get at doing this, the easier and more enjoyable our lives become. Take the example of Moses, who when was first asked to go to Pharaoh, he was reluctant. It reads in Surah 26, verse 12 through 14, he said, My Lord, I fear lest they disbelieve me. I may lose my temper. My tongue gets tied. Send for my brother Aaron. Also, they consider me a fugitive. I fear lest they kill me. So we can see this reluctancy, this apprehension from Moses, as if he's insecure in what God equipped him with of being able to carry out this task. But later on, as his trust in God grew, and Pharaoh and his troops were pursuing him. We read in 2660, it says they pursued him towards the east. When both parties saw each other, Moses' people said, we will be caught. He, Moses said, no way. My Lord is with me. He will guide me. We then inspired Moses, strike the sea with your staff, whereupon it parted. Each part was like a great hill. So at the onset, Moses was reluctant. He was insecure. He doubted himself. He doubted the fact that God bestowed him everything he needed in order to be successful. But by the end of this phase with Pharaoh, you see that Moses' confidence, not only in himself, but in God being able to support him, was unwavering to the point where his people were absolutely certain they were going to be caught, that he said, no way. And God saved him from the situation as God always saves the believers from any situation. God never burdens a soul beyond its means. This is a proclamation made in the Quran. And this means that any difficulty, any hardship we go through, not only can we handle it, but God has equipped us with everything we need in order to be successful if we only trust in Him. That said, if we only submit to Him, then it will not only prove the strength of our faith, but He will provide us with the absolute best outcome. All we can do is do our part, which is believing in God, believing in the hereafter, and leading a righteous life. But we leave the outcome of the situation 100% to God. Sometimes the outcome we receive was not what we were hoping for. And these are the moments when we are truly tested. Do we submit or do we complain? If we complain, we are being objectors. But if we submit, then it shows that our actions correspond with our belief. We are showing that we know that God did not forget, God did not make a mistake, but rather that God has another plan for our lives that's better than what we expected. In Surah 17 verse 11 it reads, The human being often prays for something that may hurt him, thinking he is praying for something good. The human being is impatient. It is natural to want to have ease in our life. But sometimes, in order to reach our potential, we need to go through hardship because this is what is required for our growth. And since God knows us best, we happily submit to God's will. In Surah 90 verse 4 we read, We created the human being to work hard to redeem himself. This is what we were designed to do. But oftentimes, when facing hardship, we forget that God is the one who's doing absolutely everything. The devil makes us think that it is others who are doing the choosing that is impacting our life. Our worldly boss, our teacher, our professor, 
or some politician, that they're the ones who are dictating the outcome of what happens to us. It's natural to want to stand up for ourselves, to try to direct the situation so that we get the favorable outcome we desire. And there's nothing wrong with doing so. But if we want to be part of the elite of the elite in God's kingdom, we need to strive to do better. In Surah 42, verse 39 through 43, we read, When gross injustice befalls them, they stand up for their rights. Although the just requital for an injustice is an equivalent retribution, those who pardon and maintain righteousness are rewarded by God. He does not love the unjust. Certainly, those who stand up for their rights, when injustice befalls them, are not committing any error. The wrong ones are those who treat the people unjustly and resort to aggression without provocation. These have incurred a painful retribution. Resorting to patience and forgiveness reflects a true strength of character. In these verses, God is explaining to us that it's fine to stand up for our rights. We have every justification to do so. But those who leave the matter to God, let go and let God, and resort to patience, that God promotes those individuals. And it's a true strength of character that is only achievable through God. A prime example of this lesson in action is seen through the history of Joseph. Joseph had many major events that dramatically altered the trajectory of his life from a youth to an adult. With each event, we can see Joseph's migration towards absolute submission to God, and from these lessons, hopefully we can learn and apply to our own lives. When Joseph's brothers schemed against him because they were jealous of the attention Joseph was getting from their father, when they begged their father to allow Joseph to go out with them, that despite Jacob knowing that they were plotting against Joseph, he submitted to God, and he didn't fight it. He knew that if this was the outcome that was meant to be, he accepts it wholeheartedly. And he allowed Joseph to go with his brothers because he knew there was nothing he could do to alter the plan of God. And we saw that Joseph had no say in this matter. The brothers of Joseph schemed against him, and they unanimously decided to throw him into the abyss of the well. It reads in 12.15, says, When they went away with him and unanimously decided to throw him into the abyss of the well, we inspired him. Someday you will tell them about all this while they have no idea. That God gave Joseph confidence that in the darkest times, in his most vulnerable situation, that he will ultimately have the upper hand. But again, he had no say in the matter. When the merchants discovered that he was stuck in the well and decided to sell him off as merchandise. Again, he had no say in the matter. In 1219, it reads, A caravan passed by and soon sent their water. He let down his bucket, then said, How lucky, there is a boy here. They took him along as merchandise, and God was fully aware of what they did. They sold him for a cheap price, a few dirhams, for they did not have any need for him. So we see in these situations, Joseph had no say in the matter. These were being dictated upon him by people of authority, people who had power, supposedly, over him. His brothers who were older, uh, more numerous, stronger, the merchants who took him and sold him, and even his purchase by the governor 
He had no say again in the matter. In 1221, it says, The one who bought him in Egypt said to his wife, Take good care of him. Maybe he can help us, or maybe we can adopt him. We thus established Joseph on earth. We taught him the interpretation of dreams. God's command is always done, but most people do not know. Everything that's happening thus far to Joseph is happening to him. It doesn't look like he has any say in these outcomes. The first time we see Joseph speak out against the injustices that are happening to him is when the governor's wife attempted to seduce him. In Surah 12 verse 25, it reads, The two of them raced towards the door, and in the process, she tore his garment from the back. They found her husband at the door. She said, What should be the punishment for one who wanted to molest your wife except imprisonment or a painful punishment? He, Joseph, said, she is the one who tried to seduce me. And this is the first time we hear Joseph defending himself, standing up for himself, telling the governor that he is the one who's innocent and his wife was the one at fault. Now what's interesting is in order to resolve this matter, they resorted to a witness from the family. And it continues in 1226, a witness from her family suggested, if his garment is torn from the front, then she is telling the truth and he is a liar. And if his garment is torn from the back, then she lied and he is telling the truth. Now I can come up with a million reasons to why using this logic can lead to the wrong verdict. But the fact that this is the logic that they instituted and it just happened that it ended up becoming favorable to Joseph. We read, When her husband saw that his garment was torn from the back, he said, This is a woman's scheme. Indeed, your scheming is formidable. Joseph, disregard this incident. As for you, my wife, you should seek forgiveness for your sin. You have committed an error. It just happened that this decision to dictate the verdict based on if the shirt was torn on the front or back led in the favor of Joseph. But the lesson here is that don't put too much weight on that. Because again, there's a million reasons to why this verdict could have went against the truth. But it just happened that it did correspond with the truth. And Joseph was vindicated from this incident. But again, God is the one who's dictating the outcomes. It was not this witness. It was not this logic. God is the one who's controlling everything. And this is the takeaway from it. That irrespective, if the verdict falls into our favor or not, it's always in accordance with God's law. That he has a good reason for it. Take, for instance, the unanimous decision of Joseph's brothers to throw him into the abyss of the well. If they weren't doing this out of spite and resentment towards Joseph, they would have been doing the same thing out of love. And it's hard for us to grasp that. We put so much focus on the actions, the motivations of the people. But what we forget is that God is the one who allows this to happen. Take the example of Moses' mother, who put Moses into a basket and threw him into the river out of love. Now, if you saw this action and you saw the action of Joseph's brothers, you wouldn't know what the difference was. Because from our eyes, they look the same. Yes, the motivation of the individual is different. But God was the one who is dictating the outcome for both scenarios. And further proof of this is that despite everyone knowing Joseph was the innocent party, that it was the governor's wife who was trying to seduce him, they still ultimately decided to send him to prison. Meaning it doesn't matter 
if the verdict was in your favor or not. It doesn't matter if the witness who decided the criteria of judging who is at fault is fair or not. God is the one who's going to dictate the outcomes. And this is the, the, the fundamental takeaway from this, that we get fixated on justice, we get fixated on right and wrong. And that's true. We can stand up for our rights. But at the end of the day, God is the one who's determining the outcome. And if you trust in God, you know that the outcome that God has selected will be what's absolutely best for all those who believe. And I believe these are all the foundational pieces for Joseph to learn this lesson. But it wasn't apparent to him when he was first in prison. When two prison mates came to Joseph and asked them to interpret his dream, and he realized that one of them was going to be the wine butler for the king, Joseph made a fundamental error. He said in 1242, To the one to be saved, remember me at your Lord. Thus the devil caused him to forget his Lord, and consequently he remained in prison a few more years. He was attempting to have someone intercede on his behalf, to go to the Lord of the individual who's going to be the wine butler for the king, to ask him to reduce his sentence, to get him out of prison, was showing that he did not learn his lesson yet, that God is the one who dictated everything in his life, that he was never in justice, that irrespective if he was done out of spite or hate or love was irrelevant because God was the one who allowed it to happen. And this becomes apparent when the king has the dream and asks his advisors to interpret his dream and none of them are capable. And it's at that point that the wine butler remembers Joseph's ability to interpret dreams. And when he asked to go and visit with Joseph to learn about the interpretation of the dream, you would think that Joseph would be imploring, please get me out of prison. Look how useful I am. I can interpret these dreams. No, when he interpreted the king's dream, and the king commanded to bring Joseph to him. What was Joseph's response? Joseph's response to the king's messenger who went to go and get Joseph was that Joseph told him in Surah 12 verse 50, it says, Go back to your Lord and ask him to investigate the women who cut their hands. My Lord is fully aware of their schemes. Now put yourself into Joseph's situation. He has been stuck in prison for years. And here, the king, who is has all sovereignty of this supposed land, is asking to take him out. Rather than simply complying, he's saying, go investigate those women who made that accusation against me. That is showing that his trust is in God, Lord of the universe. He knows this king is completely incapable of deciding to take him out of prison or send them to prison that all matters are controlled by God alone. And you see this transformation in Joseph. And I believe it's at this point that it becomes obvious that Joseph, he no longer has resentment. He no longer has this aspect of he's been injustice or wrong, that he knows that God is the one who allowed all these events to happen in his life. And it was all meant for one thing, because when they confirm that Joseph was the one who was innocent, that it was the governor's wife who schemed against him. When he finally goes to meet with the king, what does he ask the king for? He said, make me the treasure, for I am experienced in this area and knowledgeable. Consider how audacious of a request this is. Prior to this engagement, he was a prison mate. 
He was in prison for years. And then prior to that, he was a slave. Now he's in front of the king and saying, okay, which role do you want? He says, I want to be the most prominent individual in the country with the most amount of authority to be able to dictate the treasury of the entire country and what is going to take place for the next 14 years, I want to have complete control over. And he was granted that. But it wasn't the king who gave him that position. It was God who granted him that position. God was the one who was controlling every outcome. And just like Joseph knew that it wasn't the king who was going to get him out of prison, but God, Joseph also knew that it wasn't the king who was going to appoint him as the treasurer of Egypt, but it was also God. And this takes us to the last incident where it really showed the degree of faith that Joseph had in God being able to control the outcome. When Joseph's brothers came seeking provisions and he placed the king's cup in their bag, he could have easily dictated the terms of what would happen to the individual who was found with the king's cup. But showing his trust in God, knowing that God was the one who controls the outcomes, he offered the decision to his brothers. In 1274, it reads, They said, What is the punishment for the thief if you are liars? They, the brothers, said, The punishment, if it is found in his bag, is that the thief belongs to you. We thus punish the guilty. Then he started by inspecting their containers before getting to his brother's container, and he extracted it out of his brother's container. We thus perfected the scheme for Joseph. He could not have kept his brother if he applied the king's law. But that was the will of God. He exalts whomever he chooses to higher ranks above every knowledgeable one. There is one who is even more knowledgeable. God is showing that he is the one who is pulling all the strings. He is the one who is controlling all the commands. The fact that his brothers were saying this is what the punishment should be if you find the king's cup in one of our containers was only playing into the outcome that God has already dictated, that Joseph would be able to claim his brother for himself. Based on what the brothers themselves dictated, this is the power of God. That when we trust in God wholeheartedly, God controls all the outcomes. That when we think we have no say in the matter, God is still controlling the outcomes. That when we think other people are dictating the outcomes in our lives, that this is a false illusion. That if we trust in God wholeheartedly, that we submit to anything that God wills for it to happen, that we know that this is all ultimately for our good. Every single thing that happened in Joseph's life, every single thing that happens in every single one of our lives is being controlled by God. If we submit 100% to God, if we let go and let God, then God will show that all these outcomes were all coalescing for our good. God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got comments or questions, please hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. If you want to follow along the verses of the Quran, please download the Quran Study app on the iOS app store. If you don't have an iOS device, you can go to the quranstudyapp.com website. And if you like the podcast, please share it with others. And until next time, peace and God bless.